Hey there, wonderful human. Before we get started today, I wanted to give you the exciting update that my newest book, The Stories We Carry, is now available for pre-order. I'm so excited to release this newest book. As you may have heard, it's all about my journey of overcoming abuse and trauma and how I transformed shame into strength and pain into purpose, becoming a best-selling author, human trafficking ambassador, and global speaker who now gets to spread stories of hope and healing all across the world. This book has so many incredible stories that I have never been able to speak about before, including um, the 18 months that I spent personally investigating exploitation in my city, and I can't wait to share it with you. You can grab your personally signed copy at jazzrollinson.com slash the stories we carry. Thank you so much, and let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Authors of Impact. I'm your host, Jazz Rawlinson, best-selling author, book coach, and all-round lover of impactful stories. Join with me as we go behind the memoir with some of the world's most influential authors, revealing the secrets and strategies that have helped each writer go from big idea to author of impact. I'll also share with you the techniques and tips that I use as a book coach and author that can help you better navigate the writing and publishing process for yourself. If you're ready to become an author of impact, this is the place for you. Hey there, Changemaker, and welcome back to Authors of Impact. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Virginia LeBlanc, affectionately known as Doc V. Virginia is a holistic transformational coach and online business leader who serves conscious thought leaders, change agents, and legacy builders who are seeking to heal, rebuild, and transform lives from the inside out. She's also a highly sought after and award-winning five times international best-selling author, as well as a podcast and TV host. And she specializes in helping thought leaders to master the art of the pivot and transformation through transition, which is what has earned her the nickname, The Pivot Maestro. Doc V also specializes in serving retired military and veterans, as well as female leaders who are looking to transition into becoming purposed entrepreneurs, by learning to think without a box, identify passion and soul purpose, and define their paths through true vision. I'm so excited to introduce you to my chat with Virginia. We'll be talking all about the inspiration behind her book, Love the Skin You're In, How to Conquer Life Through Divergent Thinking. And we'll also be talking about her process of writing this book and becoming an author. And as always, what it means to Virginia to be an author of impact. Without further ado, here is today's episode. Welcome to the show, Virginia. Thank you so much, Jazz. I'm excited to be here with you and your audience. Oh, it's so great to have you on here as a guest. And I wish that people could see the video right now because they would see, uh, I mean, I just love your entire, um, your vibe, your presence, your outfit. You've got these amazing yellow glasses, this beautiful blue jacket, and everyone knows I love the color blue. So (laughs) you're just in all the colors of um, uh, that I just love. Now, I was wondering if you could start by just sharing with our audience a little bit about you, where you're located in the world, and maybe something interesting or even quirky that people might not know about you. Hmm, interesting. Okay, this is a good, these are good questions. <laughs> so a little bit about me. My name is Dr. Virginia LeBlanc. Affectionately, people call me Doc V. I am located in Crystal City, Virginia, in the USA, right outside of Washington, D.C., across the bridge, Uh, originally from the state of Texas, the southeast coast, where it's extremely hot right now, (laughs) so I'm glad I'm here. (laughs) 
And, you know, I, um, I, I'm out here in D.C. and I am just, you know, walking in my sole purpose finally. Uh, it, it's been a long time coming and, uh, you know, life has happened and, you know, I have finally started to connect the dots and follow the synchronicities and exercise my birth, my birthright of choice. Right. And just follow my sole purpose. So doing that out here in Crystal City, Virginia and uh, really globally, we have a global mission and impact. So I'm extremely happy to be speaking to the Australian audience. And actually, I think this is my first interview jazz with an Australian audience. So I just participated in Crystal Hills publishing um, the Inspired Living book. So Wow, that's very cool. Uh, well, it's very interesting because a lot of my readers are based in Australia, but almost all of my clients are American, uh, US-based women, which is really interesting. So we've got this great, um, yeah, we've got this great audience between mostly US and Australia um, that I'm excited to introduce you to. And what I was really interested to dive into was more about the work that you've been doing specifically with, you know, working with retired military veterans and also helping women, um, you know, female leaders as well, and empowering them to transition, um, you know, from the workplace into purposed entrepreneurship. Um, you know, for those who've followed my work or are newer, um, they might know that, you know, I've worked with everyone from veterans to, um, you know, people who have, you know, entrepreneurs, musicians, but I have certainly worked with a lot of veterans. And so I was really interested in this work that you do. I was wondering if you could share what inspired you to get into this, I guess, this niche and why you have this passion for serving, you know, especially retired military veterans. I had no idea we had that in common. So I missed that <laughs> in learning all about you and your show. Uh, I'm so I'm very happy to share that and happy to know that we are kindred souls in that as well. So we'll have to talk about collaborations. Uh, but yes, so when I was a junior, senior in high school, I discovered that I had one of the reasons I have these cute glasses is because I have a visual challenge that prevented me from going into active duty service. Um, I come from a service based family, whether military police, teachers, you name it, um, it's in, uh, we have in our family, and we're, we're just heart-centered, service-based people. So that was really the first time in my life when I had to, or when I faced a, a major decision, right, as an adult, <laughs> an emerging adult, uh, and I had to pivot and figure out, okay, well, you know, what are my options here? What are my transferable skills? What are my passions, purpose? So really, I kind of started some of the work that I do now even back then, but I hadn't connected the dots yet. So as life would have it, as the universe would bring me back full circle, once I uh, moved out here to this DC area, I found myself working as a defense contractor. And I had previously done co uh, contracting work through my business. I've been doing the entrepreneurial thing for a while now. And uh, I was working for a defense contractor, a smaller business, um, but ended up working for a larger one who was partnered or had a contract with the uh, Department of Defense. And so I ended up, I found myself duty stationed at the Pentagon working for the Secretary of the Navy and had various assignments through that defense contractor uh, and, and interface with various 
joint services and um, and then worked my way. Actually, I think I worked for that defense contractor, maybe a little shy of two years and was recruited into the federal government to work for the Navy directly in the secretary. So had various roles within Uh, those assignments. And I was able to see and experience the fullness from the very top, you know, from all policy and practices and, you know, program integrations and, and all that went into military life and community from that standpoint. Then I accepted an assignment, a foreign assignment, and spent two glorious years on the beautiful island of Crete in Greece uh, as a human resources director. So I was able, I was stationed on an installation. I was interfacing with the active duty military particularly the uh, the chiefs there, the, the highest ranking of the enlisted. Uh, and I learned a lot. So I've literally had the opportunity to see the full picture, you know, from the top down, down up, however you want to view it. And the various issues that our servicemen and women face from not only just the, 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 the standpoint of, you know, them and their various assignments, their MOS as the, as the acronym is, or, uh, and the, the effects on their wellness, their mental, um, mental and physical health. And the way I kind of, I started interfacing from a, and came up with my next steps for vets mission transition program was as a result of having these conversations with, you know, the chief's mess and, you know, listening to them face their fears about preparing to transition out of the military. You know, most services just have a week, maybe a two week course in which, you know, they, you know, they're telling you about what you will face or, or the opportunities or just kind of really a very, very high level overview of the transitional process, you know, besides the paperwork you need to do, right? So there is no deprogramming and reprogramming. There's nothing to help the men and women in service who are coming out of service think without that box because they've had to think in boxes, right? As a result uh, and for survival and a disciplinary measure um, within the military. So as I had these conversations, I started, you know, learning and exploring and researching, you know, what are these top things, these top concerns that that they face coming out of service? You know, what's out there to support them, to help them, you know, to hold their hand if they want their hand hold. But, you know, most military is not going <laughs> to tell you that. <laughs> I'm probably not going to say, hold my hand, Virginia. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Absolutely, Jess. And so, you know, so I started thinking about what I do is is transformation through transition. You know, so I started looking at those areas and what was out there and and in looking at what's not on the table. A friend of mine, she talks about how she can see, you know, most people see what's on the table, but when you can see what's not on the table, you know, that's when you start to process, you know, and, and start drawing on your superpowers. So that's what that's what I did. And I start, I put together this program to empower them, to show them the alternatives, different ways to train them through um, authority positioning and, and uh, per the purpose entrepreneur route, help them figure out, you know, what are their transferable skills? You don't just have to think about what your MOS was and then look for a job that fits that. No, you know, kick that box out of the way because you have skills. You have skills that you learned in that MOS as well as other skills, you know, the soft and hard skills. And just helping them explore that, identify their passions, their purpose, 
reconcile their pain points, you know, um, deal with PTSD. If that's the case, you know, and I've built a community, um, you know, in which and we're continuing to build that community because we're a global mission. So, yes, I'm starting here in the U.S. focused on, on the military here. But, you know, my, we want to make a global impact because it's not just an issue that the military face here. So, you know, we're, we're doing that and we're working on, you know, projects to just position them, to teach them business, online business. We have a turnkey solution. We're working on just a holistic transformational executive coaching where we can help them with the mindset because, you know, you can hand something to someone, but if they don't know what to do with it because they've not been exposed to or they haven't faced that fear or processed or, you know, it's, you know, there's no point. So what I found, you know, working within the military industrial complex and then exploring the various entities that are out there, you know, there are a lot of holes and pitfalls and cracks. And as you, you know, you know, um, most military, they're not going to, they're not going to reach out like that because, you know, they don't want to be seen as weak or, or something like that. But, you know, I have a model strong as the new sexy. And I say that all the time with my women leaders and that strength is not only just strength, but it's strength and vulnerability as well. So it's, uh, it's just been, I love that so much. Yeah. It's just been such a powerful experience um, and a rewarding experience for me. So we have all kinds of things in the works. We're looking at collaborations with our nonprofit for um, two stand-up facilities for homeless vets to train, give them skills, help put them back in business. So it's, you know, it's it's all around my, my boss nation philosophy for us to be our own boss in mind, body, soul and business. So. Um, that's what I'm. That's how I'm moving in the world. That's how I'm. I'm. I'm trying to give, make my contribution, and give back. You know, because I'm. I'm. I'm largely self-taught in a lot of respects with most. Um, you know, things that I do outside of my degree field. Um, you know, I started connecting the dots. It's just, I'll tell you. Yeah, girl, I can just keep talking, so it's just stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, there's so much to dive into, but I was just going to say, my goodness, you are such an extraordinary woman, and. I love what you've put together and I couldn't agree more about you know, Strong is the New Sexy and how important it is for our our veterans to understand that, um, I mean, firstly, they, they definitely have transferable skills, but they need to think beyond that and really work out what they want to do with the skills that they've developed and what they want to do with their life. Because I know from, you know, a lot of the mental health advocacy I've done over the past five years or so working with and talking with veterans um and you know i've got family who are in defense as well and there are such high rates of suicide and, and mental illness and mental health problems because our veterans come back not knowing you know like you say they've been programmed to do a certain job and that's important you know to survive and to be able to do the things that they do they do have to put their emotions in a box and, and that's a big sacrifice that they make on behalf of, of us, really. But they have to put those emotions in a box. And then when they come back, so many of them don't know how to healthily start exploring their emotions. And then what do I actually want to do with my life? So I was just going to say, that's why I really love and adore what you're doing. It's so important. And I'm really glad that they have someone like you in their Thank corner. Thank you so much, Jazz, for saying that. You know, and I... 
You know, my heart is, is is not just to to be a mouthpiece, but to do, you know, to to walk the walk. You know, and I think so many uh, it was funny. I was talking to well, maybe not funny. I was talking to someone the other day who uh, was saying that, you know, her son is a veteran and, and he hates when people say thank you for your service, you know, because I, I want to do more than lip service. Right. I think we need to do more as a world to give back to those who are literally sacrificing everything, you know, including life and limb, you know, and not just give the lip service. Yes, be grateful, be thankful. But, you know, what what are we doing to make them whole, to make them right? Like here in the U.S., we literally just passed, Congress just passed, I think yesterday or today, um, finally, a bill to help support those veterans who have been exposed to, you know, to these fire pits and what have you when they're in service. Why are we having to fight for things like that? You know, why are wow. they having to fight for things like that? Why is that, that just happening now? You know, that's incredible. Right. I think it's been 20 years or something like that. I mean, something ridiculous like that. You know, it's just so much work to be done. Absolutely. But I love what you're doing in this space and, and even the conversations that you're just opening up as well about how important it is for our veterans to know that they are supported and that they have our, yeah, that they have our support, not just when they're in active duty, but afterwards as well. And so, yeah, I, I really love all that you're doing there. Um, to switch to switch topics a little bit, I wanted to ask you more about your book, because that's what we're here to talk about today as well, uh, which is Love the Skin You're In, How to Conquer Life Through Divergent Thinking. It's um, described as an autobiographical love letter to society on sociocultural conditioning and how you overcame to define your path. So I'd love if you could share with us um, about this book, what inspired it, um, you know, I'm not sure uh, when the book came out, but if you can share like what inspired it, when it came out and yeah, just what that process was like. Well, the the process began uh, as a result of and on the heels of a major breakup, you know, in which I, you know, I thought this individual was it for me, you know, that we were going to be life partners. Um, and around nearing the end of that relationship, I discovered I had a various, very serious health condition in which, you know, it was life threatening and I could have literally bled out and it was affecting my quality of life. You know, things started happening in the relationship, um, you know, uh, just unhealthy things. I think, you know, feelings of inadequacy, you know, on his part, um, you know, all kinds of things, right? You know, those things that, that lead to, you know, the end of a relationship, but there was this serious health condition that was a part of that. And I think the biggest thing, he was deathly afraid of losing me, right? So, um, and I get it. I get it. But then within, wrapped within that, came some hard decisions and cho choices for me because whereas I got that, you know, there, there were behaviors tied to that, right, in which um, were not healthy for me, particularly going through what I was going through and dealing with, you know, and, and, and trying to manage my reality. So it literally came down to a choice where I had to choose me, right? I had to exercise that birthright that we have, choice, and choose to 
love the skin that I was in and step away from that relationship because I knew I had a journey ahead of me to, you know, to face, to fight this illness, to recover and and then start to rebuild. Well, it was during that time, this was 2016, when I was, you know, I I had this surgery and, uh, you know, thank God it was a success, Um, but I had a long recovery period. And it was literally while I finally was, you know, still, (laughs) you know, and I wasn't in, you know, survival mode or managing my reality, but literally just still and, you know, being one with, you know, for me, God, you know, in the universe and, um, you know, and just really processing life, looking back over my life. You know, that's when I started recalling a lot of things, Jess, that honestly I had buried so deep. You're talking about six feet under. Oh, it was like 12 feet under, (laughs) you know, and and, yeah, I could, you know, things I could not recall, but they started resurfacing and, you know, and I just kept getting this repeated message, you know, to love the skin I was in, you know, because I would question, there was a time in my life when I questioned, you know, my identity, who I was. I thought there was something wrong with me because the world didn't get me. People didn't get me. I had too many skills. I could do too many things. I was supposed to just fit in these boxes or this box and, you know, so that they can, they could, you know, process me. And I took that as a negative thing. But going through this healing process, that's when I started connecting the dots and seeing that, no, that wasn't a, a, a negative thing. That was a powerful thing. And I went through all of the transformation in my life and, you know, and pivoting and, you know, across different career fields because I had this sole purpose waiting for me. You know, I had to be able to relate to all walks of life, you know, everywhere, no matter your race, your color, your creed, your religion, your background, you know, your socioeconomic status. So that that was the birth of Love the Skin You're In. And it was a different way. I talk in there about my concept of divergent thinking and and, and that process, that holistic process, um, which, you know, we, that's a whole nother conversation, um, is what made me so diverse. Those different experiences, exposures, you know, the training that I had and which it allowed me to, you know, exercise and use greater capacities of my left and my right brain. Right. And not just stay in those boxes that we normally stay in, you know. So um, that's when I started thinking about just the programming. You know, why did I feel the way I was? You know, why was I questioning who I was? You know, and it was because of the sociocultural programming that we get all the time, um, you know, whether it's television, it's in social circles, whether it's in, you know, religious venues, um, whatever the case may be, you know, there's always, you know, dogma or dialogue about how we should be, how we should look, how we should dress, right? And we lose the individual in the collective trying to be someone else or live up to someone else's expectations instead of defining our own path. So, you know, that realization and revelation is, you know, that's also where I got my company name from. And then some work that I was doing in a university uh, with students, a holistic scholarship program that I had built out at Indiana University. Um, So, you know, I realized it really all starts with the psycho-emotional stability and strength and fortitude. You know, if we, we tend to our wellness and mind, body, soul and cement that first, 
then you can build sustainable success, whatever that looks like for you, you know, and it starts by thinking without that box. So um, that's kind of the long of the short <laughs> or the short of the long. <laughs> and uh, so I actually published this in, uh, in 2017. There are four accompanying daily, um, daily meditations on varying topics, but all meant to just kind of help you to pivot in that perspective and your thinking um, so, and you can, there's, you know, space to journal and just, you know, apply, reconcile it. I talk a lot about my three R journey, the whole revelation piece, the reconciliation piece and Renaissance. And I can elaborate on that if you'd like. Um, but that's you know, everything I do. It, it follows that transformational philosophy. Mm. I did want to jump in, sorry to interrupt. I was curious about the format of the book because in in the summary of your book, you know, you talk about how it's an autobiographical love letter. And I'm always interested when people write nonfiction books, what format they end up going with. Now, you mentioned that you do have some journaling type prompts and things in there. Would you say it's did you end up going with that sort of memoir format or is it a, a non like a more of a personal development format with exercises at the end? What did you find was best? It's definitely a memoir. So actually the four daily devotionals are the ones or the daily meditations are the ones that have the journaling piece. So they're four separate books um, to the love, the skin you're in. They're called um, uh, Words of the Day for Divergent Souls. And so there are four of those. And actually, I built those because as I was writing the book and going through my own healing process and rebuilding process, I was doing social media posts. Right. And just things were coming to me. You know, I was like, I mean, I was just so everything was just so alive and vivid. And and so I, I was doing the post and I realized that literally I had a perfect sequence of 30 days for four books, <laughs> you know, at the end of this book project. So I decided to go ahead and compose that into uh, four supplemental book uh, books, if you will. But this particular book, the way it's laid out, um, so the cover, you'll see me, there are three different pitch, pictures of me at three different points in my life. And I'm standing in a boxing ring and you see gloves right in front of me with the with the fire sparks and the, all the lights. Right. So I liken life to us being in a boxing ring and having to learn the skills of a boxer. You know, and a lot of people don't process the skills of a boxer, what they have to do, the mindset, the ability to dance in the ring, to, you know, to get up off the mat, to, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, right, from Muhammad Ali. <laughs> um, but these pictures, three different, these are three, me at three different points in my life in which I had to pivot and redefine. So that's where my moniker comes from. My, my, uh, my authority position coach gave me that moniker. He was like, oh, this is a perfect fit. Um, I, I do love that too, like the pivot maestro. When I read that in your bio, I just thought, wow, how fascinating. I haven't heard that before. Um, but I did want to ask you as well about, you mentioned about the cover and how you came up with this concept of really, you know, the symbolism and showing these three different versions of you. How did you come up with the design for the cover? Because this is something that holds a lot of aspiring authors back is, uh, you know, where do I even start the cover? And, you know, is it something that you drafted yourself? Did you speak to someone to get some ideas on how to make it? And, and how did that all come together? When I tell you it was divinely inspired, it was literally divinely inspired. So as I was writing the book, within the book, you'll see I, um, you know, I have sections. So I start each chapter 
with a quote, right? A quote that's relevant to the thought of the chapter. And then I have kind of like an introductory to the thought of the chapter. And then I, I break that off with like a glove. And then I talk about my life, you know, my life experience as related to that chapter. And it ends with like a little mini boxing ring. <laughs> and then there's like a summary piece, like my lessons learned, you know, and and my, my advice or words of wisdom. Um, so as I was writing, literally the concept, I was thinking about life, you know, and literally at that point, I felt like I had just com- been completely beat up, <laughs> you know, and um, and I literally felt like I had I was down on the mat and having to get up. So it literally just came to me. Um, it, it was a fascinating thing. Um, and this it, it was like my my intuition just came conscious. And I talk about that in the book with Crystal Hill, Conscious Intuition. And uh, it was there, but because again, you know, I wasn't thinking in that in that way. You know, when I just started writing, as I was writing, it just hit me. You know, so I would say, you know, I, my advice to people is not to obsess over the cover. You know, not to obsess over um, all of the, the the titles of chapters. You know, get your get your working titles right, so you'll know kind of where you want to go, what you want to write to within that, um, that chapter and the outline. But I ended up tweaking it. And I literally went with like boxing themes. So when you look at um, the various chapters, they'll start like one starts with dancing in the ring, you know, uh, the balancing. Oh, I love that. So there's a really clear theme throughout. Yeah. So that's how that kind of came about. You know, um, I've had to redefine my path. And in doing so, I felt like, you know, every time, uh, you know, because I, I wasn't even like, I'm not like a huge boxing fan. <laughs> I was going to say, do you have some like secret passion for boxing? I, or? I'm not a huge boxing fan. It came along, you know, I've dated some guys in the past who were, <laughs> um, but you know, I am a sports fan, you know, and, and so I, I find, you know, I can find, I can find goodness or relate to most, most anything, you know? So, um, yeah, so that, that was, that was what was even more crazy to me, Jess, because it was this theme and the theme I started thinking about, you know, just the women or the friendships that have been in my life, those who had stayed around, those that I lost. And so I talked, I talk about my women, my community of women and particularly women leaders as being corner women. That's a concept when you think about the boxing ring, you know, like the man usually in the corner who's coaching or, you know, training or yelling at the fighter, you know, that's the corner man, you know, so that's kind of where that came from in the book as well. You know, just corner woman being, being uh, our sister's keeper, you know. And yeah. Oh, it's just, it's just fascinating. Um, like, I love that you've carried this theme throughout. Another thing that came to me as you were speaking that I wanted to dive into was um, to really understand what the process was like for you of writing this memoir because I was just speaking with another guest the other day and she said I'm so glad you're doing this podcast jazz because I know when I started my first book and you know when I started writing about my life stories I didn't really know where to turn for advice there's heaps of podcasts out there about you know for fiction writers hobby writers but not that not really that many that I've seen for memoirists or for nonfiction writers. I wondered what was one of the biggest challenges that you um, came across as you wrote this book and then how did you navigate through that? 
facing my own fears. Because in most communities, you know, particularly in the African-American community, you know, that's my heritage, um, we, you know, sharing your life, sharing your story or your mess, quote unquote mess, you know, (laughs) um, is not something that, you know, people suggest you do or, you know, really support. Um, But it's interesting because I had to overcome and face my own fears, embrace my own story, because there was a lot of guilt, shame. Um, You know, I was dealing with all kinds of hurts, hangups and habits, pain points. You know, when I started processing, why did I stay on these crazy cycles of insanity and keep choosing the same type of, of, of men who clearly, you know, um, could not or were not compatible with, you know, with my soul, you know, with, you know, where I was going. And, you know, it all stemmed back to daddy issues, Jess, <laughs> you know. And so, um, you know, so that's, so I had to get over those things and the fear of exposing myself. And when I was going through this, when I was in my recovery phase, I started um, going to a group. It was called uh, Celebrate Recovery. I think it was when I started going to the store, it might have been right after, but that was a huge part in me just owning my story and opening up. It was healing. It was so healing to me. Um, you know, and I thought I was writing for the masses, you know, it was, you know, but it was really for me. It was for me. It was mm. a healing journey for me. It was a part of my transformational journey, my rebuilding process, you know, to prepare me, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually for this work, you know, this soul call that I'm doing now so that I can remember where I was, what I went through. And again, that whole relatable factor, being able to be relatable to people, you know, because people can see through if you're not telling the truth and what you write. I mean, it, it, it's apparent. So oh, 100%. Yeah, so if, if you if you're not going to commit, I highly suggest you don't write a memoir. Um, you know, if you're not going to commit and just let it all out. Jess, I literally found myself uh, had I not been typing on a computer, my notes that I had on paper were just I couldn't even read them because I was shedding so many tears when I was writing this book. I shed so many tears. And then the revelations just started coming and those things that were, you know, buried 12 feet down, (laughs) 20 feet down, wherever they were, um, started to resurface. And I realized, you know, I talk about wearing masks in here, how we wear masks all the time. And that's how, you know, we're walking around as functional dysfunctionals, right? Because we're wearing these masks, we're trying to fit in, and we're, we're following this path that someone else defined for us, as opposed to defining our own paths. You know, we're making choices every day and we're thinking that, okay, that this is my choice. But where did that, if you really think about it, if you're in a place like feeling unfulfilled, feeling, you know, just any kind of way, right? That is anything but fulfilled, happy, inspired, you know, that sort of thing that you are walking in, moving in your purpose, then you're probably not walking your path, your own path. You know, it's probably a path that someone else put you on, uh, directed you to because, you know, you had a a skill or ability or an affinity for, you know, you know, some type of left brain craft or right brain craft. And they're, you know, a well-meaning teacher or parent or what have you put you on that path, you know. Mm. But it's so important, like you said, to find what path do we actually want to be on, you know, to question that because so many of us don't. We just follow the template for life that we're given 
and we find ourselves on certain paths and sometimes it's a fit and many times it's not. Yes. Um, but there was so much that you dove into in what you were just speaking about um, and I was thinking about what I really wanted to ask you about, which was that quote you said, if you're, if you're not really going to be vulnerable and open yourself up, then don't bother writing a memoir. And I'm so glad you said that because I say that to my clients and to other aspiring nonfiction or memoir writers because that's the truth. You know, so many people, there are hundreds of millions of people that dream of writing a book, but the reason that only 20% or so actually finish their drafts and then only 3% go on to publish is because, you know, like there's lots of things that hold writers back, but a lot of people find themselves in the position that you did where they're sort of afraid of, you know, what will my family think and this goes against everything I've been taught. I shouldn't be so real and honest about these things. But you need to get vulnerable in order to really create the impact that you want to create. And if you're not going to get vulnerable, then no one's going to connect with this book yeah. and you may as well just give up now. So mm-hmm. I'm very glad that you made that distinction. Yes. And Jess, let me tell you, there is so much freedom in being vulnerable and owning your story because then it allows you to go past your story, right? And build your future, walk into your future. And so literally by me just embracing my fear and making it my ally and writing this book, you know, I produced you know, four supplementals with it, you know, um, some other projects, the book, my business literally sprang forth as a result. Um, you know, so I, this was all a future I did not plan. <laughs> I did not plan any of this. And that's one of the beautiful gifts that comes from writing a book. I mean, when I wrote my very first book, I had no idea really what I wanted to do. I didn't know what the path was really that I wanted to be on. And I certainly didn't have any idea of a business, but that all came about, you know, through writing, um, writing my books. And actually just before starting this podcast with you today, I was recording a, um, presentation for a PTSD related summit in America. And I was talking about how, you know, like writing and journaling and going through this journey at first, just for me, which is what you also mentioned, doing this for yourself, um, is so important to be able to get to where you want to go in the future. You've got to do this healing work. You've got to work out. You've got to see on paper like how far you've come. And, you know, I mean, not everybody out there, of course, wants to be a writer, but if you do and you want to become an author, it's so important that you do the healing first um, to work out where you've come from and where you're going and then through the process of writing writing your memoir or your book, you'll find out so much more about yourself and what it is that you truly desire. And I think that's such a beautiful part of memoir writing that a lot of people don't understand. Um, and so uh, to come back to you and what you were talking about in terms of some of the opportunities that have arisen from writing this book, can you share you know, just briefly about some of the, you know, maybe like the most exciting top two or three opportunities that have come up for you as part of embracing your story and 
going through the process of being really raw and vulnerable in writing this book? Oh, goodness, Carl, where do I even start? But if I can back up for a minute, I love what you were saying about the project you were just doing with with uh, on PTSD, because literally what I'm doing with this book now, I'm turning it into a chicken soup for the soul concept. So we're doing a project with the Next Steps for Vets right now, which is Love the Skin You're In for the Warfighter how to improvise, adapt, and overcome in civilian life. So that's going to come out November 11th. So I am super excited about that. And part of the journey, the healing journey for, for those vets who in retired military who are taking part is that healing journey and that empowerment, you know? So yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, so let's see what has come as a result. Well, let's, let's talk about the closest elephant or the, as we say in Texas, the closest alligator to the boat, or maybe that's Louisiana. <laughs> that's also my heritage. <laughs> um, I will be traveling to the beautiful London, England, here in a few weeks to receive an award from the 100 Successful Women in Business, um, the Global Trade Con- uh, Chamber, and I'll be speaking at that conference. So I am super excited about it. As I understand it, there are going to be all kind of ribbon cuttings and galas and the royals might even be there. <laughs> so... Uh, that's amazing. That That's so exciting. Yes, I'm super excited about that. So, um, you know, that that's that's probably one of the biggest things um, to date. But, uh, you know, even just launching my own podcast, that was a huge opportunity at the Define Your Path podcast, which is syndicated on all platforms. And um, it's just been tremendous because what it's doing, Jazz, it's empowering other individuals to understand that they are extraordinary individuals, right? You might view yourself as ordinary, but you are extraordinary because you're unique and it's only one of you. So they're hearing the story of all of these phenomenal, ordinary, extraordinary individuals who have literally decided to to take control of their life, to define their path, you know, to make gourmet lemonade out of lemons, as one of my guests said. <laughs> and you know, and build these businesses, become purposed entrepreneurs and just, you know, become legacy builders, change agents and, and you know, just make the world a better place. So, you know, if I think of one of, uh, you know, probably, you know, a, a big opportunity um, and platform, uh, it would be this one coming up in London um, to date. And then uh, as far as my projects and, and what I'm doing, you know, the podcast, because it's reaching across the world. And, you know, I'm called to a global mission. So um, and then just, you know, these projects, particularly the, the next Deseret's mission transition, I'm excited to see what is going to be birth mm-hmm. of that. And I'm doing my first retreat in October. So I wish you were closer over here <laughs> or you could fly in. <laughs> it's called Exhale. Yes, that sounds very exciting. It sounds like there are so many amazing opportunities that have opened up for you as part of embracing your story and writing this book, which is just beautiful. And that's what I always love to dive into to help empower other listeners, you know, who are thinking about writing a book or their next life-changing book to know that, you know, it is worth it. Um, and there are big, that like there are major doors that can be opened through through doing this. Um, so I'm really excited for all that you've achieved and all that's coming up as well. Um, to wrap up today's podcast, I'd love to ask you one final question, which ties in a little bit to what you already kind of just hinted at before with le- legacy building. But what does it mean to you specifically to be an author of impact? And what is the impact that you really desperately want to create in the world? Hmm. 
the impact I want to desperately create is helping people to think without that box because that box is keeping them from being and stepping into their greatness and being more than. We're allowing ourselves to play small and be less than because that's the construct that we find ourselves in. Or no one else, no one has ever told us, you know, that, hey, we don't need these boxes, you know, get rid of them. You know, because think about it, that box, it's, it's meant to keep you in, it's meant to keep you outside, or it's meant to keep you hovering about it. But it's meant to keep keep that box in your sight at all times. And that's limiting, right? Our limiting beliefs are in those boxes, around those boxes. So when you start thinking without that box, that's when you can start to activate. That conscious intuition starts to activate and it, you know, and that divergent thinking ability starts to blossom and you start to see yourself as the tremendous human being that you are, divinely uniquely made, and you start to love the skin you're in. And, you know, the world then truly becomes what the cliche, your oyster. It's your choice what you're going to do with it or not. That's just beautiful. I love that so much. Thank you, Virginia. Um, I really resonate with so much of what you shared today. It's very much in alignment with the way that I feel about a lot of different issues. And I'm so glad that you decided to take up that courage and write Love the Skin you're in and excited for everything else that's coming for you. So thank you once again for joining us. And where can people find out more about you and your work? Absolutely. So my website is definingpaths.online. Definingpaths.online. Or if you go to Linktree, my handle is Defining Paths. And all of my social media handles are Pivot Maestro. So M A E S T R O. So just plug it in LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and you'll find me. Love it. All right. Thank you again so much for joining us and all the best, Virginia. Thank you so much, Jazz. It's been my pleasure. Hey there, Changemaker. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you're feeling ready to take the next step in your author journey. As always, I'd love for you to hit the subscribe notification so that you can be the first to know when new episodes drop. And of course, if you're feeling ready to take the next step with your own writing and publishing journey and you're looking for one-on-one support, I would love for you to reach out to me at jazzrollinson.com slash bookcoaching. Until next time, keep writing, keep creating impact, and remember, there is always someone out there waiting for a story just like yours.